you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. All right, today we are in week three of our series, Thank God It's Monday. It is a series about work. So far, we have touched on our first week regarding the God who works, and we have uh, learned that it was God who was the first worker, and that is evident on the creation account where it took him six days, five for everything, six for, one, for man. It took one day for, to create man. Everything else was just uh, was five. So it tells you how much uh, important he puts on man. Also, in week one, we learned that God was the finest worker. And we can see that by just looking at the sunset on Guam. It's one of the most beautiful you'll ever see. I'm biased. I live here. And then also, on, on week one, we also learned that it is God himself that gives us that fulfillment when it comes to work. Then week two, we talked about how work that works is the work that, ful- that glorifies God and fulfills the purpose for which he, he gave it to us. Amen? And then on last week, we learned uh, through Pastor Mark, we learned that the type of work that works is the work that is done. What was the first one? Humility. The second one? was work that works is the work that is done in purity. And the third one was the work that works is done in faith. So today, we're going to continue on this series of work. I'm going to try to get you out of here quickly. But before that, so this week, is all about the man who works. But before I get into that, I want to tell you a story. More than 15 years ago, when the church was young, we used to have one big Bible study. And it was uh, Pastor Roland, I remember, who was, was conducting the Bible study. Anybody remember who Pastor Roland is? Okay, we still remember him. Pastor Roland was the one con- uh, who was leading the Bible study. And it so happened that we, it was a topic of work. And the icebreaker question was that, what is your idea of work? And I still remember what my answer was. So I told him, my idea of work is, when you come home after the day's work, you're tired you're sweaty, you're dirty, and you're stinky. That was my idea of work. And guess what I do now? I come home, I am tired, I am dirty, I am sweaty, and I'm stinky. Kid you not, I work for the Guam Power Authority. I work as a welder. So the environment that I'm in is usually hot, it's a confined space, it's dirty, it's dusty, and usually we're on top of scaffoldings. So that gives you an idea. So pretty much this is like a little bit of work to me right now. But I'll have mercy on you guys. I'm going to try to get you out of here. Okay? Now, having said that, let me ask you this question. What kind of work do you do? You don't need to answer me. Just play it on your mind. What kind of work do you do? And I'm not asking about your occupation. What I'm asking really is, what is the relationship between what you do and who you are. What is the relationship between what you do and who you are? Okay, keep that on your mind. There are three categories of work. The first one is a work driven by compulsion. In this type of work, it is really a forced labor. You're forced to do something. An example of this would be Israel when they were under, the, in Egypt, they were forced to work because they were slaves. In modern day, we can say that the victims of uh, human trafficking can fall under this category of work. They, they're, they're basically forced to work. 
See, in this type of uh, work, we become human machines. We become replaceable. We become uh, expendable. We're only used for one thing, economic value. And hopefully not many of us or hopefully none of us here are in this type of work. The second type of work or category of work is a work driven by obligation. As previously mentioned in the first week, according to statistics, 80% of workers are dissatisfied with their job, 80%. In America alone, it says that according to statistics, 70% of Americans hate their job. Can you imagine? And yet another statistics, the statistics that we've been looking at shows that 90,000 hours will be spent on work alone in over, over our lifetime. And for those who like to work overtime, weekends and holidays, that's more. Can you imagine 80,000 hours going into work and the first thing when you step into your work, the first thing you say is, I hate my job. How miserable can that be? So this work driven by obligation, which is the second category, this is the type of works that we do voluntarily in order to meet other needs. This is where we come in, where we say we owe, we owe, and up to work we go. That's why we have to do. And most of us probably, uh, an example of this is people who, who have their college degree, but yet they could not find a work that's suited for their college degree. But because they need to what? Pay off their student loan, they get into a different kind of work. So you're obligated to work because you need to pay some things. Okay? If we didn't need to, this, in this type of work, if you were to win the lottery or somebody would give you $100 million, the first thing you would do is what? Quit your job. Because it's all about obligation. That's the first thing you will do. So in, in the work driven by obligation, basically, it's really the need for money. It's what we do to survive. But it isn't exactly who we are. We're engaged in a work that's not exactly who we are, but we need to work because we need to pay off our own obligation. We got a house to pay, we got a car to pay, we got education things to pay. And usually, if you are under the category of a work driven by obligation, your tendency is to burn out. Your own body is never created for this. Then lastly, the last category of work is a work driven by passion. And in this category, so if 80% of people who works don't like their job, so I guess we can say that only 20% of people actually are work-driven by passion. These are the people that always say, oh, I've never worked a day in my life because I love what I do. Amen? How many of you are like that here? Amen. We've got to learn something from you guys. So this, uh, this category really, uh, uh, passion really springs forth from the center of who we are. This work is what we were born to do. This type of work where you're engaged in a work driven by fashion, this is exactly what you were born to do. Amazingly, this is the type of work that have changed civilization. This is the type of people that were so passionate. Um, for example, would be just popped into my head, this uh, Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison, before he came up with the first light bulb, went through so many So many times, and according to him, it says, oh, I just found another way on how not to build a light bulb. 
because he had went through so much failure, but because of his passion for it, he kept going and going and going. Another example that came to mind just right now is uh, the inventor of that vacuum, Dyson. I love that vacuum. I don't have one yet. (laughs) But he has gone to so many patents in the thousand just to perfect his vacuum. Can you imagine that? A vacuum, but but because he was so driven by passion, the mistakes were nothing. He doesn't get burned out. He doesn't, have, he doesn't uh, feel like he has failed, but he keeps on going. So passion. So with passion, work is not or is the end in itself. Or without passion, work merely is a measure to an end. If you're working and it's not based on passion, your working is really to get something else. But with passion, that is your work. We are energized by working rather than being exhausted by, la- by laboring. So that's what it is when, you are work driv- when your work is driven by fashion. You're energized. You're one who does not go to work and say, I hate my job. Oh, in fact, there's somebody here in church who I've, I've heard this so many times. He's a teacher, and, uh, and he's always excited for Monday. He's always excited to, uh, for, uh, during summer. He doesn't want summer. He always wants to go back to work. And it's like, good for you, brother. <laughs> good for you. I envy you that you can do that. So now, that's what it is. So we've got these three categories of work. Work driven by compulsion, work driven by obligation, and work driven by fashion. Now let's look at Adam. It's already been mentioned, Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. This was already mentioned in the first week. That the first responsibility, Genesis chapter 2, So the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. So the, it's, as mentioned in week one, the first responsibility that God gave man was to work. Now, what do you think is, uh, what category do you think this work falls under? <laughs> See, what, what the thing with this verse is not much is really said of what Adam is to do in the garden. And I have heard and I have read many interpretations on what type of work Adam was supposed to do. And it always goes back to this. My, this is how my mind works. It always goes back to this. Uh, I've heard people say that he's supposed to weed the garden, supposed to get a bush cutter, cut the grass, get a hedger, hedge it, cut the talentan that's over the mango tree so the, the mango would uh, be more fruitful. But it always goes back to this. Adam was in the paradise. Before the fall of man, there was really no debt, there was no decay, and there was no growing old. Plus, Adam was naked. Okay? Guam is a typhoon belt. And how many of you have gone to typhoon restoration? When a typhoon comes, a tree falls, and you go out in your yard, cut that tree with a chainsaw or a machete. Can you imagine doing that naked? I don't think so. Yet alone, how many of you have walked barefooted in your yard? So, how, so in my mind, as I think of this, so what kind of work did Adam really do? The man lives in paradise. The man is naked. What kind of work can you do when you're naked? Seriously, what kind of work can you do when you're naked? So the work, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if that plays a kind of a, you'll remember this message because of that. Okay. So not much is said on what type of work does he really do? What kind of activity does he really do? Um, but the word here for work is really the word abad. 
And that word is mentioned again later on in the book of Numbers, chapter 3, verse uh, 7 and 8. Flip that. And here, in the Hebrew language, this is exactly the same definition that was mentioned in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. And they shall attend. This is speaking of the priests. God told Moses to tell Aaron, to tell the priest, this is what you ought to do. This is your responsibility in the tent of meeting. This is your responsibility. This is what you're going to do. And they shall attend to his needs and the needs of the whole congregation before the tabernacle of meeting to do the work of the tabernacle. Verse 8, the same thing. Also, they shall attend to all the furnishing of the tabernacle of meeting and to the needs of the children of Israel to do the work of the tabernacle. So the work that was mentioned in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 is the same word that was mentioned here in Numbers 3, 7 to 8. So could it be that what we have thought Adam was supposed to do, whether he's supposed to garden, whether he's supposed to farm, whether to cut, fend off the animals, uh, uh, fend off the, the serpent, could it be that the, the point or the work that he's supposed to do is really related to a work that was done by the priests? See, not much, was, uh, not much is explained in chapter 2, verse 15 of Genesis, But here in Numbers, it tells you exactly what the priest is supposed to do. The priest was to stand at the gates, receive the ones bringing offerings or gift, take him to the, the, uh, verse 8 says that to attend to the furnishing of the tabernacle. There's only a few uh, furnishings in the tabernacle. So as a priest, receive the worshiper, take their offering, take their gifts, bring them to the bronze altar. Or then the priest also would go into the Holy of Holies, go to the table of showbread, go to the lampstand, or go to the, in, the, the altar of incense. So all this work was the work that was being talked about here. And it's the same word that was being talked about in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. So whether whatever it is that Adam was doing, I think the, the point really is what Adam or the responsibility that God that God gave to Adam in the garden was really connected directly to worshiping the Lord. Because the role of the priest and the job of the priest was all about that. In Hebrews, it tells you that the things that was, or the uh, things appointed to man or to, uh, the things that is appointed to the high priest, it all pertains to God. It all t- pertains to the worship of God, to the offering of the gifts to God, to the offerings of the sacrifices to God. That was the role of the priest. So uh, it could be that the work that, w- the, that God first gave Adam was really connected to worship. How many of you would agree? And I just drink. So the work that Adam did in the garden is connected directly to the idea of worship. When we do what God has designed us uniquely to do, what is at the heart of our fashion, our work becomes his service and our act of worship. And I believe that's why in Colossians, Paul talks about this. Colossians chapter 3 verse 23. And whatever you do, do it heartily. As to the Lord and not to man. Whatever you do. And then even in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about, Therefore, whether you eat or you drink, 
or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. If Paul encourages us in our drinking and our eating to give glory to God, and why use, such a, why use something that is so common? Why use eating and drinking to give glory to God? I believe it's because on the things that we do so much that we don't even think about, we tend to lose the value and we tend to lose the reason for it. We just basically, when we're hungry, what do we do? First thing that comes to mind, where should we eat? When I'm thirsty, what did I just do? I drank, but did I give glory to God? Because it's so common. It's, so, it's something that you do almost uh, in an instinct. But yet, Paul encourages us to say, even in those minute, even in those things that is so, that is so uh, instinct, do it to the glory of God. Going back to work, can you imagine 90,000 hours of your lifetime and you come to work and you say, oh, I hate my job. I hate my job. I feel sorry for you. <laughs> but it's not too late. This is really the encouragement that I want to uh, tell you today. It's never too late. If you fall under the work that's driven by obligation, it's never too late. Okay? we just seen that it's not really the work. I believe the debate whether what kind of work Adam was doing was not really the issue. But it's really this part of work. That his work really is related to the worship of God. And I believe, church, that you can do the same thing. That's one step for you where you can take whatever it is that you, that you work, that you're doing as a form of work, and you dedicate that to God. I think it was Rick Warren who said that. If you take your work and you dedicate it to God... It will glorify Him. And if you make Him aware, or you make God aware wherever it is that you're doing, it brings glory to God. Whew. Amen. Here, give, give you, let me give you an example. I don't know, how many of you know the, the rifle AK-47? Most men would probably know who, what this is. AK-47? The AK-47 is an automatic rifle that was designed back in 1947 by the name of a Soviet guy named Mikhail Kalashnikov. It is the most common rifle that is used around the world. It is the most easiest to access. It is the most easiest to get hold of. It says it, it is around the world in the millions. It is probably even the most the most uh, identifiable rifle that you can see. But this is what he says back in 2012, before he died. He wrote a letter to the head of the Russian Orthodox Church in May 2012, wondering if he was uh, responsible for the many deaths caused by the weapon he created. It, 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 It didn't say, but I believe as an inventor, you're always on the side of, you want to invent something, for the good of mankind. And it was uh, since 1947, they just came out of World War II. I believe his idea for the rifle was really to defend his country. But yet, before his death, he wrote this. I keep having the same unsolved question if my rifle claimed people's life. Then can it be that I, a Christian, and an Orthodox believer was to blame for their deaths? Millions of dead came through this rifle. In Africa, it's all over the place. In, in, in the Middle East, the AK-47 is, what, is their favorite gun to use. 
And the inventor himself goes on in regret to say, did I really, did I really invent an instrument of death when it was intended to be an instrument to preserve life? So if you look at that from that perspective, going back to Adam, if God created Adam and the first responsibility that God gave Adam was to work, then how does that look to us? We've always said we're here to honor God. We're here to, we, we always say we exist to honor God. Now think about it. Think about how it is, what, you're, what, what kind of work are you engaged in? Are you one who always comes to work and say, Oh, thank you, Lord, that I have this opportunity to worship you with my job. And if you happen to be in that place where you, you come in and you say, Oh, I hate this job. I hate my boss. I hate this. I hate that. I've, oh, this is a perspective that I want to share with you. And I want to end with this. I'm really going to end with this. When I first got a job in Guam, I came, I came back here back in 1997. Um, uh, Coming from the Philippines, I didn't finish my college degree. I had too much fun in college. didn't get to finish my college degree. Come here, and I realized that it's not easy to find a job. And uh, I, for, for about a year, I jumped around from different jobs. And then finally, I got saved. I, I found the Lord. And the first thing that I asked God was, Lord, I don't want a dead-end job. I want a career. I want something that I will enjoy. Give, it, give me a job that I would enjoy. And I don't want to look for it. Because I've been looking around. And God answered my prayer through a friend of a friend of a friend. They said, oh, there's uh, somebody's looking for a job. And I ended up working for a private contractor who's involved in ship repairs and in welding. So I got in, but I wasn't a welder. I was actually just a clerk. And then I was doing the payroll. And one day I saw, they make that much money? I said, then the boss said, yeah. Can I work out there instead of in here? <laughs> and that began really my skill or or. or, or, or or learning how to work. And it was through that that I realized that I was really good with my hand. My mind works analytically. I, 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 I put things in, in, uh, in order. Though I'm, my mind works in short uh, terms. I can only do short-term projects. I'm not one who would go for months on projects. I like it when it's just either for a day or two. Finish it, look at it. It's like, oh, that looks good. Take a step back. So that's what it is. That's how, it, that's how my, my work came to be. And now, like what I said earlier, I come home tired. I come home sweaty, like right now. <laughs> and I, co- I come home stinky. But my point is this. God honored my prayer when I said, Lord, I want something. And I have been doing this for more than, uh, uh, I think, 15 years now. I've been in the same trade for 15 years now. It is so rewarding for me because, like what I said, I found out I was really good with my hand. Uh, not to brag. I don't know how you're not supposed to not to brag, right? <laughs> and then, I'm, I'm, and God has honored that. God has honored that prayer when I asked, give me a job. Because when we were young believers, Pastor Taylor Stewart, our founding pastor, would always encourage us. When it comes to God and work, God has to take first place. When it comes to your schedule of work and Sunday service, Sunday, Sunday service is here. Sunday service takes more priority than your job. But I happen to work where we work uh, straight hours over the weekends and overtime. So th- taking that encouragement, I went to my boss and I told my boss, Boss, I can no longer work Sunday. Sunday is important to me. You know what he told me? 
my business does not revolve around you. Go find yourself another job. Come on, Lord. You're quiet. So so I'm giving you two months. Go look for another job. Because my business cannot run revolve around your schedule. After, so I did. I looked around. But remember, this was a job that I prayed for. It was God who gave this to me. So after two months, he calls me back in and said, Armin, I've reconsidered. You can take your Sundays off. And I was the only one in a group of more than 30 of us. I was the only one who doesn't work on a Sunday. Everybody else works around Sunday. And then I hurt my back, didn't work for a year, tried to do another job, but it seems like there was no satisfaction. I went back to that type of job, and then later on I realized it's, it's time to move on. Time to move on. I feel like God is moving me. It's time to move on. You've, you've reached your ceiling here. Uh, there's no other place that you can go on. So then that was the time I started looking for a different job. There was occasions in that company where my other coworkers went to look for another job, but I stayed. I stayed because it wasn't time for me to go. I know it was, if God gave me this job, God will move me from this job, and I stayed. And then everybody else, like a group of six of, uh, six of my coworkers, transferred to another company because they were being offered a better job. But my job was not driven by obligation. If it was, a dollar more would probably made me jump on to another place. So they left, and because of that incident, my boss saw that now I am the senior among all of them. So he moved me up. Like in one year, he gave me three promotions because all of them were gone. So it worked for the better of me. But that's God's economy or God's uh, mathematics, as Pastor uh, Miss Terry said. And then finally, when it was time to move on, I, uh, it was really time for me to move on. I started to look for another job. And I was at the right time, at the right place, at the GPA Human Resources because that day that I went there, I'd been putting it off. My brother-in-law was with GPA, and he was, he was always telling me, go apply for a job, go apply for a job. And here I said, no, it's not time yet. But the day that I went to the human resources was the day they had an opening for my job. And then the interview was even much better. There were supposed to be two of us in the interview. The other guy didn't show up because he thought they were offering him a rate that which was lower. But after my interview, the interviewer goes, oh, by the way, the rate that you had, Here's the new rate. It's a higher rate than what was originally posted on the, class, on the classified. And then I find out later on that this guy that was supposed to be interviewed, he was much more veteran than me in skills-wise. He's been doing this much longer. But I believe it was all because of God who put me in that job. And I didn't leave until he said to leave. And I stayed when he said to stay. And he had blessed me. See, church, if you work for God and if you take this perspective that it is God who gave you your job and you have co-workers that you always look, look to and say, but they're not doing their job. They're not being productive. They're slacking off. And sometimes it gets onto us, does it or not? We always say, they're getting promotions, I am not. But church, remember, you are not working for men. You are working for God. If you're working for men, if you're working for men, then your promotions and your favors come from men. But if you're working for God, your favors and your promotions come from God. And I have seen that in my life. I have seen God's favor on my life. Wherein I, I, I don't bother with the... I didn't get into GPA by knowing somebody. I didn't have any parts over there. I didn't have any uncles over there. But I had God, behi- I had God behind me. Amen? 
Let's close. Let's just pray. I feel like I'm really at work. (laughs) Father, thank you for today. Father, thank you, oh God, that that if we're going to take 90,000 hours of our life doing work, we want to make it to a place where we can glorify you. We want to make it where we can honor you. And Lord, I pray, Father, for us. If we are in that situation wherein we feel so dissatisfied with our work, I pray, oh God, that you would begin to change our perspective, change the way we look at it, change the way that let Friday or let our Mondays be like Fridays that we cannot wait to get there, where we can say, oh, Monday, where have you been? I've been waiting for you. And Father, I thank you, oh God, that you are, you are the God of the impossibles, that you can make this possible. And Lord, I pray even more that if we are stuck in that type of job where everything is just obligation, I pray that you would move and you would orchestrate things in our life that we would find a place where we were born to do, that we would not just be there putting hours every day, but we would feel it in our heart that we are satisfied when we come to work, that we are satisfied on what we do because that is what exactly we were born to do. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.